2: Welcome back to the Luke and Pete show. I'm Pete Donaldson. And I'm Luke Moore. Yeah, I didn't like it as no, much. No, it doesn't feel no, natural. Really. But are we
3: going to get into it? Is it something that's going to improve or is it just like, just, just not do it, it doesn't suit us?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. It sounds like newsreaders,
3: don't we? Which like we are in a way.
2: We are a little bit, reading <laughs> out people's uh, dispatches from yes. the front line of awesomeness. <laughs> exactly, quite. <laughs> the front line mm. of something. Mm. How are you, mate? How's, how's things this week? Am right? Didn't do any sleepwalking. Um, though, though buoyed by everybody else's um, horrific stories about what they got up to last week.
3: Just trying to think of the damage i could do if i did sleepwalk i'll be able to tumble down some the stairs probably you, oh yeah you, would you be able to do that you would i'd have would to you? unlock a door yeah
2: um i do sometimes because I, i'm not ocd but if i know i'm about to leave the house what i'll do is i'll just walk past the front door and sort of just unhook the yell a little bit i'll sort of unlock the yell so the door's effectively just open and why? sometimes i'll go to bed and fall asleep and uh, the door's been unlocked all night why would you do that i don't know exactly no. no because i'm a faffer. So I'm like, right, I need to leave the house now, mm. but I just got to check things and I have just got to copy a file over on my computer and I'm a bit of a faffer yeah. like that. So by me um, hooking the door, opening the door effectively and unlocking the door, it's me going, Peter, you need to leave now.
3: You've got... you've instead got
2: of so just walking out of the door and leaving, which I could easily do.
3: But for security purposes, you've got an outside door anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't be as dangerous if I did it because my door goes straight out of the street. The, um... Yeah,
2: exactly. And also the um, the people who live downstairs, I walked past their door and they had six umbrellas outside their huh. door. Like, it's a one-bedroom flat at best. Six use, people. I don't use an
3: umbrella anyway. What do you mean? I've got a bit of a funny thing about umbrellas as far as, um... When, If you're in a busy city and you're the height I am, yeah. you essentially, when, as soon as the umbrellas come out, it's like an get, assault course. Yeah. So I've I got a real big sort of um, aversion to umbrellas.
2: <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah,
3: That's so, very interesting. But, you know, speaking of the old security thing and, and, and the faffing, so when Mrs. Lukey buys stuff from Amazon right, it gets sent to the house, um, on her preferences, she's not got, please try and redeliver or please deliver to a neighbour. 'Cause we're quite friendly with our neighbours. Mm. Um as you found out last week when I got locked out of the yeah. house, um, she's just got it set to leave it on the doorstep because where she comes from, it's fine. Oh god. And, and I'm like, yeah. Right, you're in London now. It's a nice <laughs> part of London, fair enough, but you can't risk that. And I'll be honest. You're a stop from Brixton, mate. I've, exactly I've been waiting for something to go missing. <laughs> right. And <do> you <laughs> just, know what? The other did week. Go well, I'm gonna tell you the story. The other week, something went missing. And so I said to to to, to Mrs. Lukey, I said Told you that was happening. I told you that was going to happen. Change your preferences. You're in London. You're not, not in Kansas anymore, not Dorothy. not in Kansas anymore. Anyway, so She, said, she okay, wouldn't do that in
2: New York, would she?
3: No. Or oh, so Los Angeles. She wouldn't. Anyway, she changed her preferences. Yeah. And uh, not only that, she made a complaint saying yeah. they shouldn't do it mm. uh, because it's London and they should know better. To which they said, okay, we're very sorry. We'll send you another but one. But it's in your preferences. You know, she, they, sent, they sent her another one. Okay. It It's an electronic item. Right. Of reasonable value. Okay. So they sent her another one. And, nice, and,
2: uh, nice and vague. I
3: was walking around feeling very smug and. Uh, no word of a lie, next day, knock on the door, next to the neighbour. Someone left out on the doorstep, so I took, <laughs> it, in. I, I took it in for you, <laughs> in case it got stolen.
2: Oh, so you got two electronic
3: items. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, and do you know what it was? It was the Magna Doodle from last week that I was uh, carrying around. Hang on, so you're a two-man Magna Doodle man? I was, and I gave one away, and one was a present anyway.
2: Okay. There we go. I mean, you're admitting Amazon fraud here on, uh, on uh, the podcast. i so. got
3: bigger fish to fry. <laughs>
2: Pay your tax, Amazon. Call for it tax. Out loud. Yeah,
3: call it tax. Pay your tax. Um, paradise hashtag Paradise Papers. <laughs> Don't know what they are, but it's been, everyone's talking it's been about. Big it. Isn't it? Everyone's. Were yeah. uh, you named? Idea.
2: Were you named? No, I wasn't named. No. Um, I don't think my uh, accountant knows <laughs> knows how to do. He you, can't file my normal taxes.
3: You were you were um, the subject of a erotic novel called The Paradise Papers, were you not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what I was exactly, getting confused exactly. with. But they were
2: like rolling papers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Look, <laughs> I've had I've had a, a week where I've just been learning things.
3: Rolling papers. It's been. It's not a bad, one.
2: Yeah, it's not one of my one. better
3: ones. I think I'm getting better again. I want us to get to the level where we don't even need the gym anymore. <laughs> when the next time we see the guy who actually sang that in, yeah. in real life, I can we go, have an, I I can don't have, need you, mate. I
2: can have an it spin-off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's audio. Remember uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago when we played yeah. his little little clip out? Can oh, it's, it's not video.
3: No, you, listen, it. you're not getting on the TV now, mate. <laughs> what I would have said.
2: If I 2007, hey, mate. Um, so uh, I can't believe this exists. Um, you could buy skeletons, real skeletons...
3: Yeah, for research, right?
2: For... Medical purposes. ...any reason. Huh. Um, in Poltergeist, the actress Jo Beth Williams um, found out, after she shot the scene in the pool, uh, that the skeletons that she was swimming around with in the mud were real skeletons. It was cheaper to buy them from a medical supply company than making them out of rubber at the time. Huh. And this whole kind of trade in human remains is fascinating.
3: Great movie anyway.
2: Great movie. That's, <laughs> but that is a great movie, Pete. Have you seen it? It is a great movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. back in the day. But I just couldn't believe that. It, we're looking at
3: dead people on the screen. Yeah. There was an episode of um, of Britain's Next Top Model on the other day. Mm. And um, they were doing one of the challenges they had to do was a model shoot for people for the ethnic treatment. Ethnic? The ethical treatment of animals. <laughs> and... Um, and the props they were using were actual skinned animals. Amazing! So, that, so they got the reaction they wanted out the models. Yeah, very full on that was. Very <laughs> full on. Who was involved in um, skinning them? Uh, well, that, that's that's the problem. I'd have no idea.
2: Well, it was, it was a wonderful, and, and also uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland originally also all, used all real skeletons.
3: I love that ride. It was a brilliant ride. Yeah, but real skeleton. I,
2: why are you not horrified? Like these are actual people, actual souls. You do realize you're walking around in the skeleton. <laughs> what? Yeah. Was it somebody did on on Twitter a little joke saying, uh, "What if dogs realised they were full of bones? Yeah. <laughs> what would they do? What would they do? So what would they do?" But India's uh, in particular has got a big um, underground trade in human remains, and and what gets done? It's either grave robbing, or um, you know, people who have uh, have got a dodgy deal with. Um, Somebody who's going to um, immolate the 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 bodies at the um, huh. at the not the abattoir. What do you call it when you um, when you burn a body?
3: Um, I don't know. Uh, I yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Cremation, Cremation. crematorium, crematorium, crematorium. crematorium. Yeah.
2: Um, so this, so here's the price tag for all of the things, and the most prized um, skeletons. Um, they, they've kind of closed loopholes and stuff, but it still goes on. Uh, the sale of uh, what in this uh, country? Well, it, it, mainly India and out, but you can okay. buy. Um, for either research purposes, or presumably it's not illegal to use them in entertainment, like in Poltergeist, like in the Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. um, yeah, you can buy full skeletons. And the most prized ones, uh, usually what happens once they're being bleached with hydrochloric acid, hydrochloric acid and stuff and, um, and dried out in the sun, um, they go and uh, they, they sort of nail like a full skeleton together, even though those bones don't belong to each other. And stuff. Oh, that is weird. And it's really weird. So like, um, if you want a skull with teeth, that's uh, $1,200. So it's a big old, it's you know, it's a big, big yeah. amount of money. Um, if you want an ulna or a pelvis, that's around about a hundred and fifty. A well, uh, dis- an
3: ulna should not be the same price as a pelvis. Well, an ulna is just an arm bone, isn't it? Yeah, well, the just, pelvis just, is a massive deal.
2: Yeah, but I mean, uh, pelvises don't break as often as arms, presumably, so they're probably not as highly in demand. And uh, an at- articulated foot, hundred and fifty quid. Um, a femur, one hundred and forty nine. But a full skeleton, um, just over three grand, and half a skeleton, two grand. So if you're grave robbing and stuff, I mean, three grand in
3: Indian money is probably... A little bit more. Well, I like the idea that they're doing you a deal for a whole skeleton. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah. It should be. Well, yeah, a whole skeleton that's actually, and I think it's much more than that. If you uh, if you want a skeleton actually where all the parts belong to each other, which is
3: incredible. Like, I, I just don't know what to think. So we had a skeleton in our science class at school, and it definitely no, wasn't that would
2: no, that would have been a plaster of Paris job, wouldn't it? Probably, yeah, yeah. 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 But fascinating that uh, you know these things still go on. That but you, how do you, you know, know your bones are plaster of Paris? A, good point.
3: How many Mike. how many bones have you broken? I've broken quite a few. I've
2: broken collarbone, blow, collarbone <laughs> and tongue. Collar, <laughs> collarbone tongue, uh, I've broken my skull, fractured my skull twice I think. Have you? Uh, I broke this part of my elbow, this, this I remember that still of my elbow. But you
3: know when you used to say stuff every so often and it starts to make sense about why you're like you are. Right. Like when we first came into contact with your father for example. Yeah. Great guy, but clearly you're a chip off the old block. Yeah. Um the fact that you've fractured your skull twice tells me a lot. What do you mean? Mm. Well, I there.
2: can't fall, and, fall yeah. down the stairs. Leave I fell down there. the stairs. So. Did you? How old were you? Uh, I wasn't old enough to be up some stairs. I know that. Oh, really? Okay. Negligence. Yeah. I, I, well, there's blame, the there's sta- a claim. What is the statute of limitations for suing your mum and dad? I think it's... For being shit. I shits. think it's probably
3: less than 35 years, I'd say. <laughs> but um, I've broken a couple of fingers, a big toe, a collarbone, both arms. Right. Um, I think, oh, nose. Nose. That's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. You? Do you know how I broke my nose? Right. My friend Richie, who played climbing climbed us, a, climbed a watery ladder. No, 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 that wasn't anything to do with it. Although I could have broke my neck. Mm. Um my friend Richie, who probably doesn't listen to the show, good guy, he he was we were playing football at uni, having a training session or whatever. Right. And I slid tackled him, and he's a big unit. Mm. And he landed right on my face. Oh. And um and it busted my nose. And I the worst like listen, this is a little bit of um a bit of uh, public information there for to help people if they go through the same thing. If you break your nose, the last thing you want, well, the first thing you want to do and the last thing you should do is blow it. Oh, is that right? Because it feels like you've got something in there you need to blow it. Oh. But if you blow it, bang, two black eyes. Oh. Because it just it just blows it up, basically.
2: Oh, right, okay. So cause,
3: I guess because there's no, the integrity isn't still there. So anyway, so what? About, uh,
2: how do you get that kind of encrusted blood out? You nose, though. I mean, that's got to go somewhere. Well, right?
3: because I was because you know I was the age of about nineteen, and I, and I thought I knew everything. Um, I didn't go to the doctor, right? Um, and so I just let it sort itself out. But I mm. still have a few sort of um, sort of respiratory problems now with the mm. old nose. So um, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I'm sort
2: much. of looking at you. There is a slight kind of talent. very slight, yeah,
3: on the bridge on the yeah, bridge, yeah. very slight. So ah. there we go. Bones. Bones. <laughs> We've do, you all that, got do, them. do you remember that TV series, Bones, with the guy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah.
2: It's not, I, think it's, I think it might still be going. Is it really? It's terrible. What's eh? his name, that guy? Uh, oh, it's
3: really annoying. Uh, me. I've got
2: in my head Emilio Estevez, but that's not that. clearly not true. Uh, David Boreanaz. David Boreanaz. Excellent. Is it David Boreanis? Uh, that's right. That's correct. I watched all of Buffy. Every last one of them, but none of Angel.
3: So, um, people who. Uh, Angel was the spin off, right? Yeah. With David Boreanis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, people who listen to the show regularly will know that I mentioned my friend Tommy quite a lot. And he. Um, He's a man of impeccable taste when it comes to TV series and music and all the rest of it, in my opinion. And he rewatched Buffy fairly recently. Right. it was actually quite good.
2: Stands up, yeah. Stands up. It was, it was, yeah. You know, you, would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah, a long time ago though. Long have you time watched ago. Stranger Things too, yeah? I've not watched the first one to be honest. Oh, have you not? I, I, I find the pand- I find this new generation of pandering to um, people of our age remembering the the eighties a bit, um,
3: a bit one note. Well, listen, we, we, we've we talked about this type of thing in principle already, and I'll say to you what I've said to you in the past. It's it's, it's buying a Super NES or a SNES. You don't have to panda. <laughs> Just watch it. If you enjoy it, good. If you don't, that's fine as well.
2: Yeah. Well, we got a mate who uh, we mentioned very briefly last week, and um, he won't watch anything with dragons, anything slightly whimsical, it's it's, any, anything slightly fantastical he won't watch. My interpretation of that is
3: anything... I, I might be anything wrong. Anything other people
2: like. No, 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 no. no. It's <laughs>
3: anything that... I think he says anything that couldn't happen in real life he doesn't like. Right, okay. So basically now it's got to the point where it's descended where you're on the group chat or whatever and you ask him if if someone's seen a uh, show and he'll just write (laughs) goblins, question mark. (laughs) And if the answer to that is yes, he's not interested. I I,
2: I fear for his uh, child who he's going to be reading like fantasy books and kids' books.
3: Oh, I'm going to buy his children. (laughs) I'll buy his children, all that stuff. It's got to be done, it's got to be done. they
2: talking the house up.
3: What's the what's the use if he can't drive a wedge? <laughs> but anyway, we should uh, get into emails. No sleepwalking ones this week. No. Um, so turn off if you want. <laughs> we've got your download by now. Um, I've got emails here, Pete. Um, I've got one about British awkwardness, which I really like. Okay. I've got one about eggs. I'll mention, it's Ben from last week, who I said I'd read out this week, so we've got to do that one. Or oh, Ben eggs. And I've got one about St Kilda, which is a particular area of interest of mine. And I think, Pete... At some point next year, we should go to St Kilda. Can we not choose the Caribbean or something? Oh, I'll, I'll go to St Kilda. <laughs> I've got you, a Caribbean. There. I'll FaceTime you.
2: FaceTime you. There's no coverage.
3: <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got, that's what I want. What, do you, what have you got in the, in the locker?
2: Uh, well, I do, well, why don't we just um, see where we get to with those. Okay. I really fancy reading the um, uh, the British awkwardness out. Can I start? Yeah, you get, what, is should it from Chris Medlock? Chris Medlock? Yeah, yeah, read it. Yeah. Go for All it. All right. Uh, this is from Chris uh, Medlock. Should I jingle first? Uh, can do. Yeah, I mean, we don't usually do jingles here. Do we not? No, we do jingles as break points now. Okay. And then if we've got a bit for Men Carter at the end, we'll okay. do the Men Carter jingle. I'll leave a
3: jingle. Apologise to everyone listening. I'll leave the jingles up to you. Please take it away, Chris Medlock. Unbeknownst to you, I put a, a pump jingle in oh.
2: uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you didn't know because you didn't listen back. ha <laughs> ha <laughs> uh, Chris Medlock uh, says, I'm not sure if this falls into the right category, but your talk on British awkwardness reminds me of a moment time, a moment time, <laughs> a number of years ago, uh, whilst I was travelling through Edinburgh Airport.
3: Not a great airport, by the way. Uh, remember? Been a long time. We, we flew back from there when we were in Scotland and we had to queue for ages to get our uh, security clear. Oh, did we? Do you remember? It uh, was so- awful, mate. It was really, really small, uh, really poke. I didn't like it. In, in my bottom five airports, probably. Oh, no. My bottom is... Definitely
2: Hamburg. Mm. Hamburg Airport, Las Vegas is bad. Oh, do you know what my
3: worst is? JFK.
2: Well, JFK's JFK though, isn't it? They've, never, they've got I, a lot of people to get through.
3: I avoid it like the play. Uh, I never go to it. If, my advice to anyone travelling to New York City, do not travel through JFK. LaGuardia's nice. LaGuardia's yes, right. got
2: a real retro feel to it. Yes, it's all that's, right.
3: That's that's the stranger things of airports. Is it really? Yeah. Boston <laughs> Boston's very good.
2: Both, uh, both Tokyo airports are spotless, as you imagine. I imagine that, yeah. yeah.
3: But you know, with Boston, I have and I, I guess if people don't travel to the US that regularly, or they've never traveled there, they would probably think they know the story about the border patrol and everything mm. in the US, it's really difficult and everything like that. Boston, you go through, you put your fingerprints on a scanner, you answer a few questions on a computer, yeah. and it gives you a printout, yeah. and then you go straight through.
2: They do that at JFK now though, don't do they? We? Okay, yeah. right.
3: So I've done Boston Airport from wheels down, touchdown at Boston Airport, mm. through getting my luggage and meeting and getting out the other side. I've done that in under half an hour. Wow, which is pretty good going. More than a feeling. My other my my other tip would be get the last flight of the day in because by that point everyone wants everyone's left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, Chris. Anyway.
2: Uh, walking through a quiet terminal, I could see a stand ahead with a typically well turned out salesperson with a clipboard standing in front of a, gla- a gleaming uh, Audi R8, clearly struggling to gather interest in selling raffle tickets to win said vehicle. From the limited public.
3: Now, that is an odd phenomenon. It's one of those, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, that you only ever see in airports. I've never known, and if you have done this, please get in touch, hello at com. Mm. I have never once encountered or heard of anyone buying a single raffle ticket from one of those car things.
2: I've only ever been in a first-class lounge once, um, and that was because a mate worked at Virgin. Um, now, sadly, not anymore. Right. Uh, and uh, you can get, like, haircuts and stuff. Has anyone ever ha- had a haircut at
3: an airport? My, my, that's another another question. My, my, my point on the car raffle things, even if you take, um, you have to
2: drive it out (laughs) of your hand
3: luggage. (laughs) I, um, I, I think, listen, let me get this right. So even if you had a 30,000 pound car, which isn't that expensive for a, for a nice car. Right. And you, the last time I was in an airport, the raffle tickets were 20 pounds. That's 1500 tickets you've got to sell to break even. Yeah. And that's even before you've employed the guy to sell the tickets. Mm. All the other stuff that comes along with it. I've never, I've never known a single person to buy even one raffle ticket.
2: I reckon it's probably airport for airport. Like, I reckon like, there's only one car for like a million airports, and that's in the T's and C's. Oh,
3: very, very good angle. I You're probably I, right, yeah.
2: And they, they, they've probably got about 10 cars that they put in. You know, they put a yeah. car in each one, but you only win one car.
3: Right. I think that that might
2: be the case, just to uh, maximise. Anyway, uh, so this person was um, standing in front of an Audi R8, trying to uh, gather interest. Um, This is going to be a battle of wits. I had to talk past past her. Sorry, I had to walk past her. I mean, Chris, come on now.
3: Chris hasn't hasn't spell-checked this. I
2: had to walk past her. Well, it wouldn't have passed muster anyway. I, I had to walk past her, but I had to stand my ground. Act casual. Look uninterested. I'm ever so sorry. I'm in a real hurry. I don't want to miss my flight. Not today, sorry. Maybe next time. No sooner had the poor lady uttered the words, Excuse me. I retorted with, I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (sighs) I love it. Wonderful. Clearly stunned by such a verbal assault from an otherwise unassuming member of public, she replied, You don't like me? And then I quickly hit her with, I don't like what you stand for. Yeah, I'll raffle tickets were against oh, my religion. <laughs> no. This exchange still haunts me. Even writing this now, I can feel my hands trembling and my heart is starting to race, Chris... Fantastic.
3: I wanted this email to end and now we're married. <laughs> but it didn't. But it didn't.
2: Oh, did you not go back and explain? Sorry, I panicked. I'm a bit nervous you and can... I was just trying to... I had a word... It's like charity muggers, isn't it? It's like walking up Carnaby Street. So you've always got to have something prepared. Do
3: you know what I always say? What? Oh, you're too late. I just spoke to your mate.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, inv- invariably, I, say I spoke to your mate in that I told him to F off as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, I, sometimes when someone says um, at airports, have a nice flight... Uh, behind mm. your desk, I always got you too. Oh,
4: yeah, every that's annoying. Time, that is annoying. Every time. Yeah. Every... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
2: both look after down, Mom and Dad both look uh, shall we do some uh, egg work?
3: Yeah, egg hey. work. Um not the long egg. The right. long egg is is endured. People still eat tweet us about the long egg now. There was a lovely um find
2: your log egg name, which I quite liked on the looking and Pete show yeah, Twitter what, page. What was yours? Do I think I it was just Stephen Long Egg or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, this is from Ben Goldman, and Ben, is I hope, he's still listening, because yeah. last week I said I'd read his email out. Um, so, uh, in, a, in a bare face attempt to get him to uh, to keep listening. And uh, Ben uh, said, Hello, uh, the Luke and the Pete. As a self-appointed egg correspondent... Well, we've appointed you ourselves as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll do my best to answer all your egg-related questions. Now, a few weeks ago, Pete, you asked... Um, how egg colour is determined. Yes. Why the eggs in the US look white and the ones here look a more sort of brownie beige Mm. colour. Ben says, egg colour is determined by the breed of the chicken. Uh, white leghorn chickens, think um, Foghorn leghorn of Looney Tunes fame. I see, I see. There we go. Lay white eggs and are popular choices for commercial egg layers. Uh, in the same way farmers and um, of, 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 um, scientists have created larger tomatoes, bigger and more red strawberries, and larger wheat grains, chickens can be selected for larger and whiter eggs. Ah. Um, cleaning them can't hurt their visual presentation, but they aren't bleached or whitened. Uh, While the eggs are pretty, though, uh, chicken conditions can be pretty poor, um, although regulations are being enacted and enforced to give these animals better living conditions. What used to be an exercise in cramming as much egg production into the smallest amount of space has become far more conscious of the chicken's uh, well-being. Things like free-range and cage-free are terms that ensure chickens are better treated, um, at least here in the US. I'm not sure what the labels are like on your side of the pond. Uh, Eggs of a variety of colours can be created and purchased, although white and brown eggs are the most popular. My family though had a chicken we named Fish that would sometimes lay green eggs. <gasps> green eggs and ham. So he's even included in the picture, and it's more of a duck egg green, You know, like a duck egg okay, blue. So that, have you got um, it on your computer? Yeah, here you go. Oh, there
2: you go. I mean, it's like a, oh, it, it's like um, uh, the sort of green eggshell mix that you'd get in a pint. That's uh, what I mean. Like, like it's, I, like, a, it's I, like a, it's like an. You'd see an artex ceiling that colour. Duck
3: egg blue, yeah. but duck egg green, I guess. Mm um uh, he says uh, she was an aracana and particularly feisty in her old age um he said there's a there was a thriving cottage industry of pretty chickens similar to dog breeding and dog shows where people pamper their birds to make them look amazing people will pay lots of money for chicks of rare chicken breeds uh, with delicate plumage so there you go mm-hmm. chicken and egg expert ben goodwin one thing i will say to you ben what came first
2: <laughs> it's not as it's not enough to have pretty white eggs you gotta have a pretty white chicken too. Exactly.
3: Indeed. You are you're my pretty white chicken Ah, uh,
2: thanks, mate. Thank
3: you. It's um, nice to get some info from Ben on that.
2: I know, it's nice to have a little bit of a, a bit of a follow up. Shall I do the St Kilda one or you? Because you proper bum St Kilda. Have
3: you got another one you can do? Uh
2: no. <laughs> no. You do it, you do it. Okay. Um Jamie from Paisley. Lovely part of the world. Could be um the home of Prince, you never know. Hello, Luke and Pete. Uh a few episodes back, you guys are talking about St Kilda. I was recently visiting my gran when she brought up a story about her brother who was doing some building work in St. Kilda at a military base on the island. One Christmas, the waters were so bad that they couldn't ship in, in any food for the soldiers on Christmas Day. Uh, so they decided to parachute in whole chickens, resulting in one going rogue and striking a senior officer square in the head and breaking his neck. Wow. I'm confused. Why was the senior officer on the ground? Because I'm fairly certain chickens can't get that much of a... Uh, uh, that much? Uh, no, they can flight, fly. Can they, they can fly.
3: Yeah, but not that high, though, can they? Uh, I, I think a chi- I think you'd be surprised. I think a chicken could probably fly up into a tree. No, I reckon they could. Shush, your. Let's gun. ask Ben Goldman.
2: Yeah, my grand said that it uh, wasn't all bad, as the office received a very big payout from the army and uh, was more than chuffed. <laughs> what a weird kind of uh, What a weird situation To sort of get yourself in I suppose That
3: is very strange
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous Jimmy I mean you think When
3: you go somewhere There's literally no one It wouldn't be as uh, It wouldn't be as um, Dangerous mm,
2: Jamie from Pearsley, there Thank you Jamie uh, The batteries in uh, his remote Are called Rocket Rocket
3: Oh we've actually got A few more batteries Of course You're not going to get Through one of these shows Without talking about batteries Indeed um, um, Andrew Neil unveiled A pair of Omni remotes Nice uh, Benny said he's got Some uh, Gritty gritty yeah gritty mike greens uh, unveiled a pair of um he bought a bike light a new light for his no, bike and okay. he and, and the uh he dropped uh, dropped the uh, latch open to be faced with a pair of dura days dura days I, I would say the more
2: exotic ones are uh, things that just require that do one thing like a fan or a light yeah rather than a computer or a you know a, a remote control for a uh, an on-brand telly.
3: Greg uh, Asleet will steal quite a lot of the uh, plaudits, though, by sharing with us a photo from a Korean supermarket yeah, in which he showed us a whole rack of Bexels.
2: Yeah, Bexels, um, I've heard uh, possibly from the same gentleman. Um, uh, Korean 7-Elevens sell a lot of them. That's a, that's a really interesting uh, kind of uh, thread as well. Uh, well, not that interesting, but um, Japanese, Korean and Chinese slash Hong Kong Seven um, Elevens, like uh, right. convenience stores, convenies as they're called in uh, Japan. Like uh, there are three major brands in Japan. Seven Eleven, the big brand. Seven Eleven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's Lawson's, and I think one called K Store or something. Like right. Um, I've read before something.
3: Um, you might be to help me out on this. But they're sort. They are everywhere. They're ubiquitous. They're on every single uh, street. Right. I heard. I was reading about a a completely identical but nonetheless um not endorsed yep. and not official uh, apple, store apple store in china, china yeah China, completely it's uh, completely indistinguishable from the real thing is that, is and, they that... Sell,
2: and they sell knockoffs yeah knockoff nigels um, somebody in new york um converted a like a glass plated um lift that took people down to platform level in, in the metro uh they just put a big apple sign on it and and employed um people to um stand in a line and pretend that they were waiting for the new iphone <laughs> <laughs> to, kind of New York. It Where was look, that? It did look very Apple Story because it was kind of encased in glass. That Where was, was that? That was in near Times Square, I think. I've but. got,
3: I've got, an, I've got an iPhone, so I'm not someone who's not who's against Apple products. But you know, when you see that stuff of um, people queuing up all night and then getting clapped in to buy a new one, I mean, that to me is pathetic. Well, you get that for
2: many kind of geeky uh, Electronic consumer device. electronics and yeah. video games and stuff like that. But what I would also say is that um, the paying people to stay in line for you. That's yeah. against my principles, yeah. so to speak. And you,
3: have, you don't have many of those. I'll, oh,
2: I'll never have a cleaner.
3: I've got one more email, um, actually, that I keep yep. meaning to read and I keep not doing it. And last week I didn't do it because we did a sleepwalk special. Um, and I need to get this one in. This is from David. Now, Pete, do you remember a while ago, uh, it was episode 19, as David uh, here sort of uh, generously reminds me. Well, at least he knows what. Yeah. <laughs> which one it was. We are talking about lake effect snow in Buffalo.
2: Right, okay. Do you remember
3: what I told you and it was directly linked to global warming? Yeah, the, okay, yeah. More water was being brought out of the Great Lakes and dumped on particular towns mm. and cities. Um, now, this is one of the things I love about this show. David was actually there and lived through the incident. Whoa. So he's emailed us about it. Now, for those of you who don't remember, either go back to episode 19 now and listen to it mm. or I'll just give you a quick proceed of it now. Because of um, particular changes in air temperature, uh, a lot more water was being sucked up from the Great Lakes than would normally happen at that time of year, a while ago. Mm. And so it was being dumped in ever larger quantities on towns like Buffalo, which is up in the the top of uh, New York State. Now, David is from Buffalo, lives there, and he says the following. Hello, Luke and Pete. I've just been catching up on the show today at work, and I got to episode nine where you referenced the massive snowfall we got in Buffalo, where I've lived for seven years. The most interesting thing about that snowfall for us was how narrow and sharply defined the storm pattern was. Essentially, the 10 to 12 feet of snow was only dropped on the southern half of the city and surrounding suburbs, while the rest escaped relatively unscathed. Have you read this email? No. Yeah. Uh, this was most distinctly illustrated in the eastern stu- uh, suburb of Cheektowaga. Right. Cheektowaga. Now, I know the reason I've heard of Cheektowaga is because they've got a newspaper called the Cheektowaga Bee. Isn't that cute? Little, <laughs> that is that with A little is B cute. on it. Cheek, um,
2: was it Cheek Toaga? Yeah, C... Sounds I, like a racist WWE
3: character. Well, it'll obviously be based on the, <laughs> on, the, on the Native American name yeah. of, of the town. Um, it does a bit. Um, um, apparently, so the eastern suburb of Cheek which was directly on the, east, uh, the edge of the storm, where my wife and I lived at the time, in an apartment block set far back from the road at the end of a long driveway. I woke up that first morning and looked out at our second-story window to see the ground quite a bit closer than I remembered it the night before. <laughs> The storm had come on us somewhat unexpectedly and at some point during the day I realised that we had not have any um, of the vital necessities in the house that we needed. So being the adventurous soul that I am, I decided to set out on foot to reach the grocery store just up the street from us and see if they were open. I had to dig my way out of the front door, then trudge through armpit deep snow to get to the main road. As I got closer to the store, I realised the snow was getting lower and lower until I finally reached it and my upper... Sorry, actually not even the store. As I finally reached the street at the end of my driveway to my utter bafflement had only received a light dusting of snow. (laughs) The houses (laughs) across the street had received nothing and most of the cars driving along had little to no snow on them. I easily walked the rest of the way to the store, which was obviously open, and recounted to a disbelieving store clerk just how much snow I had to dig my way through uh, to get here, <laughs> less than a quarter of a mile away. That's um, so weird.
2: I guess it doesn't floor snow, does it? it? It falls and then I guess it that's... invariably just stays where it is.
3: He said, we still had it a lot easier than some friends of ours who lived to the south of our had to escape out of their second floor window to dig down through approximately six feet of snow just to reach the roof of their buried pickup truck and Inside which they had left their mobile phone. <laughs> he said cell phone. I said mobile phone.
2: Uh, if, I, if you jumped... Say like um, snow was up to the second floor window or the first floor mm. window. Like I would worry that if I jumped in that snow, I'd sink right at the bottom and suffocate.
3: I don't think it happens like that. It's only too s- tight. Like. I've, I've, um, yeah, I think so. And I think it depends on the type of snow. Because I've experienced quite deep snow in Vermont. Not as deep as some of the people listening would have, um, would have experienced. Certainly not the same as David. And it, when you get to a certain point, you just don't sink anymore. Right. I think... And, um, but it, again, it does depend on the type of snow. Mm. They have a type of snow in that part of the US, and I forget the actual name for it, but they colloquially it's called heart attack snow. It's really hard and heavy and, and compacted. Right. Okay. And, it, and when people are shoveling their paths and their driveways, they
2: have heart attacks. Yeah.
3: Because in the US, I think you're only responsible for your own drive and your own path. Everything else is plowed for you. Right. Okay. But obviously, to get your car out, you've got to do the driveway yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, there you go.
2: I was uh, watching, um, uh, speaking about wrestling, uh, I was (laughs) watching WrestleMania 3, and it was in the Pontiac Silverdome, which I think is in Michigan. Is Michigan at the top of the country? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Michigan, I think. And um, they, basically, the Pontiac Silverdome was built in the 70s, and uh, I think Elvis played there once. And uh, it was um, held up, the roof was held up, uh, it was like this kind of uh, sheet roof, and it was held up by... um, air just kind of air being underneath it effectively oh. and uh, unfortunately um a couple of decades later uh, the snow was so heavy that it just collapsed and the video of the pontiac silver dome uh, collapsing is something else there's not in it presumably there's a couple of people in it. they're driving one of those trucks that looks after the nfl uh, the nfl pitch hmm. um they're driving off and uh, the, the 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 um roof just starts to sink and sink and sink and sink until one of the cells uh, bursts and a lot of uh, snow comes through and, and the the speakers that are connected to the roof just keep on getting lower and lower and lower. It really is something to behold. That's
3: amazing. I never even heard of that.
2: Yeah, so there we go. Um, WrestleMania 3, was that the one with
3: um, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant?
2: That was when Hulk Hogan uh, scoop-slammed, I think you call it, Andre uh, the Giant. And <laughs> a uh, fascinating. And opening it was Aretha Franklin. It was the first kind of proper... Decent WrestleMania. I've been going through the old ones, and uh, it it kind of hit its stride at three, I think, after the nonsense that was Mister T in one and two, and all kinds of nonsense. So the
3: one I first properly remember would be WrestleMania seven, which was I think Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter. Right. Okay. And that was the one where um, it's like I think it might have been quite controversial because Sergeant Slaughter like, spits on the stars and Sp- stars and stripes or something like that. There's a lot
2: of that going on, sort of thing. there was right. uh, is it Sergeant Vol- Volkov or something? He, oh Nikolai he Volkov. Just, Nikolai Gold- yeah. Volkov. He uh. He, I think he was, I can't remember, he he was in one of the, uh, he was like anti, I think his thing was, uh, he would sing the Russian National Anthem, but he was actually from some state that got screwed over by the USSR uh, back in the day, so by him playing a heel and playing an evil character, it was really cathartic, because he was basically booing the Russian National Anthem all the time. i a
3: lot of that sort of stuff goes on. And the Mad Iron Shrek,
2: who again, Iranian kind of character, very strange.
3: WrestleMania 7 was brilliant, because it had Hulk Hogan against Sergeant Slaughter, Virgil beat Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Mm. Ultimate Warrior beat Randy Savage. It had Undertaker against Superfly Snooker. The Nasty Boys against the Heart Foundation. The British Border against the Warlord. There were so many good matchups. A couple, couple of murders in there. <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts as well against yeah. uh, the model Rick Martel, who was a really good heel. Loads of good. I'm not really a big wrestling fan, but I love WrestleMania 7. No,
2: I think I, I was never a fan when I was a kid, but I've got a mate who uh, really likes it and knows it, all the stories behind it. So when you sit down and watch it with him, or, you know, we talk about it later. I do find it fascinating that these, the, the whole carnival or carny kind of background to uh, wrestling, where you're just a bloke and your body is your temple, and yeah. if you can't work, you don't eat. It's your stock
3: in trade, yeah. It's your
2: stock in trade, and it's very, it's almost like being like a band on tour. Like mm. you, if you don't look after yourself, if you don't kind of um, keep your wits about you. And you beat the crap out of your body. I find oh, the whole discipline fascinating. And, and I never knew wrestling. I don't know wrestling. I don't go and watch wrestling. I don't watch wrestling, but I do like the stories behind it.
3: They used to take a lot of drugs as well, not Have you oh, seen, yeah, seen Beyond the Mat? Uh,
2: no, it's I haven't good. actually. No. It's very good. I'd recommend so, that. Yes. It's a
3: documentary about the whole thing. It's got mm. Jack the jet- Snake in it quite a lot. This is very much the Montreal
2: screw job of, uh, of uh, podcast. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. I told you about that. Can I stick something into uh, Men Carter? Yeah, why not? Have we, have we got time? Yeah, we got I fun. think we've got time. Let's have a bit of Men Carter. There's the Men Carter jingle. I've got, we've got to finish this podcast pretty quickly because my stomach is rumbling like a wrong. And oh, so I've, only had
3: a, I've only had one whole wheat bagel today. <laughs>
2: one? That's pretty. It's pretty stodgy. I've yeah. had nothing today. But it's, nothing. Like, it's three
3: o'clock. And I that, never eat in the morning. Nine
2: o'clock. I don't either, really. Yeah. Um, so there's this house in Virginia. Um, and it's uh, they're basically selling it, um, it, it. This came out a few weeks ago because it was Halloween. Um, it's the last place that local trick-or-treating children wanted to hit up for candy on Halloween. The Tombstone House was built in 1934 using the lower half of marble tombstones procured from Poplar Grove in a nearby Civil War cemetery. Huh. 2,200 discarded headstones in total, all from Union soldiers. So all of these the soldiers in question all died in the siege of uh, St. Petersburg um, at the end of the Civil War. Uh, after their original wooden grave markers rotted away, the government installed upright marble headstones to take their place. However, during the Great Depression, maintaining the cemetery obviously um, suffered because they had no money. And so the city decided to cut the tombstones in half and lay the top halves, which were engraved with the names of the, of the soldiers, on the ground. So they no longer stood up um, erect. Um, so, these makeshift flat graves save money on mowing and maintenance costs and stuff like that. The bottom halves of these tombstones were then sold uh, for $45 each. Their new owner, Oswald Young, uh, used them to build this house, chimney, and walkway. Have you got a picture of it up there? Have you given no. it a little Google? I well, seen it. well I, I haven't got a picture with me, but it's just basically this house, this solid, shiny looking house. Remind Remem- me of that little All built, just the tombstone house, I suppose. Okay, I'll have a look. Um, in, uh, where was it? I'll again? have a go
3: at describing it.
2: Yeah, well, it's just—it just—it just looks like a really strange house. Oh my
3: goodness, yeah, that is very strange.
2: <laughs>
3: isn't it good? Yeah,
2: I mean, it looks like a kind of like a townhouse, but it's all made out of
3: gravestones. its, it's, it's going to be a... sure that's a Wes Craven movie in, in the making. <laughs> Something else, isn't it? That's a crazy, crazy uh, a crazy idea. Two thousand two hundred tombstones. Waste not, want not. Waste. Is not it wanna... disrespectful?
2: Uh, I think that it's Benthamism in action, it's utilitarianism in action. Yeah, Jeremy Bentham uh, back in the 18th century I think he died, possibly 19th, uh, he died and wanted his body to be stuffed and put on display as a makeshift statue and his head is in the one of the universities in London and I visited it once. And it's, in a, it's in a right fucking state <laughs>
3: <laughs> similar to those uh, monks that you were talking about a couple of weeks ago
2: oh yeah those cool monks and if you ever google those m- monks uh, and please do in uh, Sakata um, for some reason one of them's got um, sunglasses on yeah
3: so I found a photo of those monks <laughs> just for social media purposes <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and um, yeah, the first fight that comes up is one of them wearing a pair of sunglasses. Now, mm. I presume that is because they want to preserve the eyeballs, maybe? I don't know. Oh, maybe. I mean, it, surely there are better ways to do that. But you think so? You would certainly think so, yeah. you?
2: Well, I was Well, I was wearing sunglasses uh, while I was watching the uh, monks, which is very disrespectful. But they, what I would argue, if you ever see me in sunglasses at an inopportune moment, it's because I wear prescription lenses, and I've know, been known to be on um, platform-level tube with uh, prescription sunglasses. On. Yeah, we've
3: talked about this before. And mm. I, I think that you need to understand that people aren't going to know that. Yeah, but I mean, they shouldn't be so judgmental. I could have just had an eye operation. <laughs> so, have you, so you're wearing a pair of normal glasses right
2: now. These are my backup, and I've not. you'll notice that you probably can't see my pupils because they're incredibly reflective because most glasses nowadays have all kinds of coatings that um, reduces reflectiveness.
3: Right, and you haven't got those on that one? I haven't
2: got those on these because uh, my other one's busted.
3: Why don't just... you wear Why don't you wear contacts? is far on, aren't they? Have you ever if you sleep fallen asleep in your contact lenses?
2: Yeah, the the newer ones are not too bad, but the ones that used to be monthly ones that were a bit more durable. Oh, agony! Why Agonizing. is it? So, why is
3: it so painful? It's just
2: dry, really dry, and they stick to your lens they stick to your oh. eyeball. Is it bad for you to do that? As a non, yeah, it's not great because you're d- depriving your eye of oxygen. Remember, but I mean, back in the day, I remember I'm wearing hard contact lenses. What are they? The, well i mean soft contact lenses that you can kind of like roll them up in your fingers but hard contact lenses they used to they were just rigid
3: the ones where you used to have a little little jar with a little thing sticking into yeah. it where you put them in there in the solution my yeah. dad used to wear those yeah. yeah incredible yeah and i i remember reading before about the future of um, there was one of these little magazines they give away on mm. in you know hammersmith whatever with, with the economist they give you a free economist when and mm. they give you this magazine with it and they gave another magazine and they gave this magazine about the future of, of, of uh, human beings. Right. And it, it was a lot of it was about cyborgs. Augmented and, uh, humans. Yeah, basically. But it started off by saying, actually, we're probably, we we're probably are pretty be, much there anyway. By definition, because if you look at the, 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 the dictionary definition of it, you, we wear glasses, we're contact yeah. we're hearing aids, yeah. you know, all this other stuff to help us already. And people have got plates in their heads and their arms and their legs and all that other stuff. So we're already really there. Hearing aids have gotten so much better in the last few years. Is that right?
2: They really have, like they're 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 really tiny and
3: small, and they look cool. My dad's got um, a he said his eyes lasered. Yeah, 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 and uh, it works very well for him.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you can get it done
3: I'm, like twenty minutes now.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking I'm, I might indulge in later life.
3: Well, you've already had the old armpits lasered. I've
2: had my armpits lasered. La- How laser is that
3: man. taking priority over your eyes? <laughs> How have you thought?
2: Right, I've got a few grand to spend on this. I'm going. I'm going armpits. Well, because that's manageable. That's so manageable. And, <laughs> and, 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 but like eyeballs, you like you don't want to mess around with them if you if you can get away with it. I'm fine. But it's good for you.
3: Is it, not going. It's, it's, it's not good some, for you. I wouldn't laser in your eyes. I wouldn't trust Rick Edwards going there. But <laughs> I mean, for most people, it's perfectly safe. Shoot a laser in a morning
2: <laughs> tinged nostril.
3: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's enough
2: about that, Peter. Yes. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, as always, it's really simple. Hello, Luke and Pete Yeah. Uh, somebody invited us to a uh,
3: like a drug exhibition. Uh, oh, yeah, exhibition. I meant to mention that. The drug exhibition. Shall I try to and find the email now? I've quickly. got it here somewhere, have you? I think. Yeah. So it's um, the Museum of Drug Policy. Yes. Um, it's coming to London, and we're invited it's to go there. It's coming to I, To be honest, an um, it, invitation came from the delightfully named Oliver Hidalgo Voloben. Oliver Hidalgo Voloben. Vol-
2: Vol- yeah. I think uh, Oliver might have got in touch before, because I remember that name. It's beautiful.
3: I need to apologise to Oliver because I saw the email very late, and by the time I saw it, um, it had already happened. But um, Museum of Drug Policy is a pop-up art and cultural hub featuring uh, live programming from around the world highlighting how drug policies impact and shape our communities. I love the idea that Oliver's seen that and thought, that's perfect for Luke and Pete.
2: (laughs) Well, what I like about it, it's only open to the public from November the 3rd to the 5th. And then after that, who knows what happens? Mm. The drugs get eaten. <laughs> yeah, quite, exactly. Out of the bloody trade.
3: We should have just wandered in there really drunk going, we've got some policy ideas for you. <laughs> get it up my nose. <laughs> where's the where's the goodie bag?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I want some
3: Mandy. Anyway, Come on. What? We didn't go. <laughs> we didn't go, no. You got drunk. You got drunk. I couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the invite anyway and anyone else who wants to invite us to any sort of opening mm. um, do please get in touch hello at lukeandpeacher.com but if you just want to email and say hello do that as well mm. we'd love to hear from you we, we, we love reading your emails we read every single one of them uh, and, and we do read out our favourites um, I, want,
2: I want everyone to know what I did to Luke's computer uh, we bought a new computer oh come on for...
3: I've actually got to sort that
2: out <laughs> the Luke and slash Football Ramble slash all of our other endeavours and um, it, on the front of it it was like a power PC it was like a gaming PC laptop
3: i I tell people what actually happened what? we had a load of ideas about stuff we want to do in the future and yeah. everyone was like that sounds good and then you went
2: I want a new PC for it yeah uh, so yeah I bought a gaming computer um, because they you know they're quite quick for editing and uh, it came with some really guardy kind of um, stickers kind of stickers and I put it on the back of Luke's laptop so he looks like a power user, let's say.
3: Well, that, my, my problem isn't that. I don't mind being judged for that. I just don't want people to come up and ask me questions about it because I have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about.
2: What's an NVIDIA GTX? Yeah.
3: Oh. How, how's your thermal paste? You're obsessed with thermal yeah, cause i never knew it was a thing until you mentioned it. Yeah. What even is it?
2: It's just a paste that you put in between a heatsink and a processor, or a heatsink and a graphical processing unit, and it it, uh, it dispels heat. It, it transfers heat, basically. So it stops it overheating. It's a metallic uh,
3: compound. Is it a better way? Better thing? Basically, a better version of a fan.
2: No, it's just a, it's just a better way um, for connecting two things. So if you put like um, aluminium, which is what a lot of heat sinks are made of, or copper, on top of a uh, on top of like something that needs to um, dispel heat, uh, there's going to be some space on a really small level in between those two surfaces. Uh, so to connect them, you just have use a thermal paste, and it fills um, the space that it's allowed effectively. Oh, so
3: it's like a, when you inject foam into like bricks to yeah exactly. for insulation. Yeah, So it's, okay. yeah,
2: so it's, it's an insulation, but it, but it transfers heat.
3: And my final question is, why should I believe someone who doesn't even know what a twin-stick shooter is? I know. On you, you're stuff? quite
2: right, aren't you? Let, <laughs> let everyone down there. I think both genres are quite dull anyway. I
3: know how to cut to the very core of you, Pete. And it is identification of particular genres of video games. <laughs> uh,
2: so yes, uh, it's been real, it's been emotional. Thank you for joining us this week for number 24, Was this?
3: This was 25. This is 25. Um, next week will be 26. We're we'll recording live next week from the Tombstone House. Yes. So don't miss that. Exactly. I'm going to be doing ketamine off uh, hey, the ballast the drug policy thing yeah I'll get it see you later see you later